What a blessing it is to come together and worship, amen? If you're online and you're able to join us one of these days, really, I want to encourage you to come into this sanctuary because there is something that happens when the people of God come together corporately to worship God, to hear from His Word, amen? Yeah, it's, it's not only, He's not only a personal God, He's also a communal God. And when we come together and just come with hunger and worship to glorify Him, God begins to sweep and move across the sanctuary. Amen? Amen. So if you're here today, I want to take the opportunity to warmly welcome you again. Whether you're online or whether you're in the hall, you know, I remember last week, Pastor Michael preached that Glad Tidings is a family. We're a family church. Can you just turn to the person next to you and say, we're family? And if you're online, just type it into the chat, send a greeting and say, we're family. So good to be able to come together as brothers and sisters in Christ. There's a difference when we come together. Amen. And so the last two months, we've been on an exciting sermon series. And it's called Supernatural. The Supernatural Sermon Series from the book of Acts. We've gone through, through over two months of it. How many of you have been blessed? Give me a wave. Yeah? It's been such a powerful time of, of, of services as we dive into the book of Acts because the book of Acts is a narrative that, that fills the gap between what happened on the cross and the establishment of the church, what happened in between, how the Spirit of God that was promised came upon the disciples and empowered them, empowered these ordinary flawed people to do extraordinary things, to step out with extraordinary faith and power and anointing Oh, to go against all opposition and persecution and just grow the early church from scratch exponentially, miraculously by the power of God. And I hope that it has inspired you this season to believe that this miraculous God is alive today, is active in your own life, that you're able to experience these miracles and breakthroughs in your own journey, in your own situations as well, because that is the God that we serve. Amen. His name is above all names. And so we're going to continue um, uh, today with these five short verses that we just read out. It's such simple verses, but it's such a powerful passage because it's a very pivotal moment in Paul's second missionary journey. Without this pivot that happened in this passage, he would not have gone and done the things that he did in the second missionary journey that was of God. And so... That is what we're going to go into today, all right? And that's why we call it God's detours because as we read just now, the Holy Spirit was telling him, no, not here, blocked him from here, forbade him from preaching here. And so the Holy Spirit was causing him to go on major detours. And God's detours sometimes bring us exactly to where we're meant to be, amen? I want to ask a question before we start and go right in, you know, um, how many of you like road trips? Put up your hand. How many of you like road trips? I think Malaysia is a beautiful place to do road trips, amen? We got great food. We got great scenery. We got a lot of space here. There's so many things to do. And I found that there are two main types of people when we go on road trips together, whether with friends or family, okay? I'm going to talk to you about these two types of people. The first type of person, okay, likes to plan everything out in detail, 
likes to plan out the route, likes to have the most direct route to the destination, and doesn't like any interruptions, any detours, any deviations, any changes from the course that is set out, okay? They just want to get to the destination efficiently, effectively, and don't want any, you know, any changes in the middle. And the second type of people, I don't know if you met them before, they seem to like detours. As you're driving, they'll be like, hey, why don't we go down this side road? Let's check out what's happening here. They like to stop to try, hey, let's try this food on the side here. We've never been here before. Why don't we detour a bit before we come back? Imagine what scenery we will see. Let's take some pictures. Let's get down from the car. And so there's a very different type of person, right? And these two type of people usually begin to clash during these road trips, right? And I want to ask a question today. Which one are you, okay? If you're the first one, if you are the more direct, you know, root person, can you just put up your hand today? Put up your hand, straight up, straight up. You like things to go to plan. You like plan A to happen. All right, so quite a few of you, if you're online, you can also type in direct, okay? And if you're the second type, you like the detours. You don't like to be in a hurry. You like to leave gaps in the schedule to do, you know, sidetracks. Wow, there's a few hands here laughing as well. Just put up straight, straight up your hand if that's you. If that's you, okay? That's quite a number as well. Which of these are more fun to be with? <laughs> okay, you don't need to answer that. Uh, but I think that both of these types are needed, right? It's nice to be around those that are not in a rush or not stressed out, uh, who are like, let's try this, let's try that, you know, and you get to try out new food, you get to take p nice pictures at the places that you've never seen before, and then you're like, oh, this is quite fun. But if you only rely on these people, you might not get to your destination, <laughs> right? The person has planned out a, a nice dinner. They've already done all the research, read the, 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 the trip advisor. Okay, I know this restaurant is nice. They are very fully booked. You have to get there by 6.30. We have to finish by 7.45 for the next group to come in. Okay, okay, everybody. And then the other guy is like, oh, let's go here. <laughs> let's go there. Oh, this snack is very nice. Everyone come, come, come. You know? And I think both are needed, right? In order to have a successful trip, you need to learn how to relax. You need to learn how to enjoy. But at the same time, you need to also know that there are certain things that are good to, to follow so that you're able to accomplish the things that you set out to do. Yeah? And so when we talk about road trips, it can be a joke, it can be a laughing matter because many times we will end up at the same destination. There will just be maybe a small interruption, a small delay, a small change in the route, and then we will still end up to where we want to go, whether it's Ipoh for food, whether it's Penang, you know, for their Chao Kui Tiao. I miss their Chao Kui Tiao. I haven't been to Penang for a while, you know. And, and, but we will always end up at the same place. But as you read through the Bible, you realize that God's detours are very different. They can have very deep impact, very long-lasting impact. Sometimes He might bring you to a place that you've never been before, that you never intended to go in the first place. Sometimes He will even bring you to places where you couldn't go back to the original place anymore. There are times when His detours will bring you into people's lives and transform their lives forever, transform their families forever. And so when we look at the detours that God brings, it brings such a deep impact into our lives, into our journey. And that's why it really matters how we respond to it because God's detours 
can bring ripple effects that echo for eternity. I want to repeat that. God's detours in our lives can bring ripple effects that will echo for eternity. There are people you touch who will be able to find eternal life through Christ Jesus because you decided to listen to God. You decided to take time off from whatever you were doing. You decided to walk across the room when it was more inconvenient, and you decided to say, hey, how are you? My name is Roger. So nice to meet you. I saw you from across the room. You know, how are you doing? How are you doing? And just those simple steps begin to change the trajectory of how God wants to work in our lives. And so we're going to look at one of these important, pivotal events in Paul's life when he had to detour, when he had to be open to the Holy Spirit and ask God where he wants to lead him. And, um, and so we're going to re reflect on these things today. And there are three simple questions that came to my mind for today, three practical questions, and I'm going to ask it to you, and they will help us to do three things. The first thing is to recalibrate. The second thing is to reposition. And the third thing is to realign. And so if you are in a season of detour, if you find that something's been happening in your life this season where you don't know what's happening, you feel that you've been shifted off course, plan A is not working out. Maybe even plan B, plan C is not working out and you're down to plan, you know, uh, O-P-E-Q-R-S-T already, you know. And I just wanted to encourage you today to look at how Paul responded and then see where we can learn from it and position our hearts as well, yeah? So the first question I want to ask is to do with recalibration. We need to recalibrate, and the question is this. How open are you to the leading of the Spirit? Can you just take a short moment to ask yourself that today? How open are you to God? How open are you to His leading? And you look in verses 6 and 7 that we read just now from Acts chapter 16. And this is how open Paul and his team had to be because, um, you know, the Spirit of God was very, very strong and firm in how he spoke to them. And it says this, And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they got to Mycenae, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. And this is fascinating because imagine the Spirit of God telling you, no, I don't want you to preach the gospel. I mean, in this place at this time. That would be such a confusing thing for a missionary, for a, a minister of God to hear, you know. They are forbidden to preach as they're traveling through Asia. They're forbidden to even go into the place they thought they were meant to go to share the good news, to share in places that had never heard the gospel before. And you said, God, isn't that your commission for us to go forth and make disciples of all nations, to do the missionary work? That's why we're here. That's what Paul was thinking with his team. And then God forbids them. And you don't know, it doesn't specify exactly how he forbids them, but the Holy Spirit in no uncertain terms, says you are forbidden to preach the gospel in Asia during this season, and you are forbidden to go up to Bithynia, right? And so, the plan originally, Paul had already encountered such a powerful first missionary journey, right? And we touched on some of those in the previous sermons. 
And he had seen exponential growth in the church, the church planting, miracles, people responding to the Word of God, conversions, right? And so he had gone through a certain series of churches and planted them. And uh, his plan for the second missionary journey was to revisit these churches, first of all, to strengthen their faith, to encourage them, and then from there, head west into Asia, okay, and to, to, um, to then go into areas where the gospel, the good news hadn't reached before, and to preach Jesus there. Doesn't that sound like a good plan? For me, it sounded like a, grand, like a great plan. I mean, I talked to Pastor Sue, she'll be like, yeah, that sounds miss- missional strategy. Because, you know, let's look, have a look at the map, you know, and, and we get to visualize it, all right? And so, you see that uh, first of all, he's going through Derby and Lystra and Antioch, and this was where he had traveled, you know, in Galatia, the region of Galatia, in the first missionary journey. And so he got, starts to visit these churches to encourage them, to strengthen their faith, to preach to them, to reinforce what, what the work of God is doing there. And then as he turns into Asia where he said, oh, this is going to be an exciting place to go because there are really big influential churches here that if we said, wow, the gospel gospel is going to go far, you can see that there are churches like Ephesus and Colossae there where you get the book of Ephesians and Colossians from, right? And so he's thinking, wow, we've never reached this place before, and it's right next to where I had incredible success in my first missionary journey. So doesn't it make sense for me to go there? And God blocks him. And you see the big detour. He goes north, and he says, okay, God doesn't want me to minister in Asia this time. Let me go to the next closest one, which is Bithynia and Pontus. He goes all the way up in the journey, right? And then right when he reaches Mycenae, God says, I don't even want you to step into Bithynia. And he must be thinking, wow, God, how much time have I wasted already? I've been wanting to preach the good news. I am burning with wanting to share about the gospel and about Christ Jesus and what he did for us and his death on the cross and his resurrection. I'm, I'm ready to go. And then God makes him detour and detour. And at that point, they're still asking God, God, then where? And God doesn't speak yet. And so they travel all the way to Troas on the seaside town. And there they wait on God. And finally, God sends a vision of where to go. Everywhere that they set out, they encountered obstacles and setbacks. Everywhere they thought they should go and preach, the Holy Spirit forbids them. And it's not a suggestion, it's a very strong command. Don't preach there. Don't go there. You know, so by the time they reach Mycenae, how frustrated, how confused would they be? And you wonder why God didn't speak earlier on, because this is the anointed apostle Paul. He's been hearing from God, ministering powerfully, seeing miracles come about from his ministry, seeing so much conversion. When he preaches, you know, people would would be so hungry for the word and convert And so he must have been hearing from some direction from God or thought that he was. But why didn't God make it clear earlier that, you know, he was supposed to go to Macedonia and skip all those uh, steps to go go across to to where is uh, modern Greece today, Macedonia? And so I asked myself that question, and it doesn't really specify in the book of Acts exactly why that took place. And it's not that God didn't want those places to be reached with the gospel. 
you see later that Paul did go into Asia. Paul did, you know, um, help uh, with the churches of Ephesus and Colossae, right? The Corinthian church and the Ephesian church. And so there was a powerful plan of God, but it just wasn't the right time, you know? And up in the north, in, in Bithynia and Pontus, you read in the word that Peter, Apostle Peter, went there to do his missions work. So God's intention was to continue to reach those places, but somehow we just know that maybe it wasn't the right time for Paul to go in, you know? And what we do know is that when he went to Macedonia and began the, 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 the second missionary journey there, there were so many people that were hungry for God, hungry for God to move. There were miracles that happened. There were conversions that happened. There were just so much that, that he was able to do. And you see that he was able to reach, you know, certain churches. If you saw the route just now, he went down to, to Berea. He went down to Corinth. He went down to um, Thessalonica, right? where you get the book of Thessalonians and Corinthians from. And so it's fascinating sometimes to see a map because you begin to see and plot out how Paul's journey impacted on the books in the Bible and the New Testament that we read, and it comes alive when we begin to study a little bit of the history behind it. So if you want to join Pastor Sue's equipped classes, these are some of the things that she loves to go into, yeah? And so it's interesting that Paul still needs some time to hear clearly from God, and God somehow hasn't spoken clearly yet. And it just tells me that it doesn't matter how anointed you are, it doesn't matter what you've done for God in the previous season, how many miracles, how powerful your ministry was, how clearly you thought that you heard from God. We still need to come before God regularly and check our hearts and spirits and say, are we truly open to God? Are we truly open for Him to take lead and fully take lead so that we don't bring our own agenda even into the mission, so that we don't bring our own thoughts and our own plans that are not of God into the mission and into the ministry? And sometimes we inadvertently do that, especially when we've had previous success and years of success in that ministry. We need to be so open to God and allow our hearts to be recalibrated. And even for me, I really need to trust God when I decided to go into full-time, you know? I wasn't going into full-time from a place where I was, you know, miraculously transformed from sin and, you know, a life that was so different and I needed to repent and then, you know, follow God full-time. My story is a little bit different. My story is that I was serving God the whole time from, from my teenage years you know, full of passion, full of love for God. I was in so many different ministries, you know, in connect group ministry, in young adults ministry, in worship ministry, you know, in so many different areas, Saturday service ministry. And, uh, and my wife at that time was already in full-time, Pastor Sarah. So weekends would be my role to take care of the children while she ministered. And that was a good thing. Right? I mean, I would go for Saturday service, and then all of Sunday, I would spend time with my children. My eldest daughter, Natalie, is there. You guys can say hi. Hi, Natalie. <laughs> she came to support me because my wife is uh, helping the Anchor Kids Church this morning. And, and so I came from that place where I would bring my children hiking from the time they were eight months old. I love to go hiking in nature with them. 
and I bought the carrier, and I'll bring them as babies up the hill, you know, and I'll go with my parents. And when we had two children, my parents would handle one, and then I would handle the other and carry them all the way up the hill until now they are ready to walk up the hill themselves, praise God, you know. <laughs> because sometimes they would both also manja me, then I have to carry two up the hill, right? Oh, man. Um, I remember those days. I was not fit enough. You know, but I, I liked the person that I was. I liked, I liked that I was pouring out and serving. I loved God. I liked the son that I was to my parents. I spent a lot of time with them. I liked the father that I was. Spent a lot of time with them. And uh, even in terms of my work, I had a stable job and stable income. I gave faithfully to tithe. I would set aside for missions faith pledge. You know, because in the marketplace, I was able to earn enough for that. And not only that, I even set aside a fund every month where I would pray to God and say, God, who do you want me to bless? And then anonymously, I would give to these people because that was what God allowed me to do, you know, and the funds that he gave me to do. And so, this was where I was at. And then God begins to say, Roger, I want you to go full time. I was like, God, isn't, isn't this okay? Isn't this good? I'm serving you with all my heart already. I'm serving you uh, in a way where my wife is full-time and I get to support the family, you know. I'm spending time with my parents, my kids, and I, 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 I feel that this is a good thing, God. And he said, no, Roger, I want something different for you. And he brought such a major detour to my life when I decided to take the step of faith to say, God, yes, I will serve you in full-time. And as I was preparing this message, there was this sentence that came to me that I want to release today in case it speaks to any of you. And the sentence was this, sometimes you need to let go of the good thing in order to get to the God thing. Sometimes you need to let go of the good things in order to reach out and grab hold of the God thing. And some, you know, it's not, it's not always easy because we, we, it's easy when we're like, okay, I know this is sinful, I know this is wrong, this is bad. You know, I don't mind letting go of the bad things for God because I want to follow God. But then what if God starts to come and says, some of these good things are distractions for you to, to live the life and destiny that I've called you to do? And that's a very challenging question to ask yourself because it's easy to justify that these good things are good things. And I remember a quote by John Wesley's mom where she said, anything that diminishes your appetite for God, that is something that you have to be careful of. Anything that distracts you from what God wants to do in your life, anything that, 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 that turns you away and, and, and desensitizes your ears and your heart to the voice of God in how He's leading that season, those are things that you have to be wary of. And so sometimes we will need to let go of things that appear good so that we can grab hold of the destiny and everything that God has in store for us. Amen? The second question that I want to ask deals with repositioning. And this is the question. What is God calling you to do this season? Whether you're online or in the hall, just take a moment to ask yourself that. What is God calling you to do this season? And Paul heard clearly from God after all the detours as he waited, from God in Tro, uh, uh, waited on God in Troas, he then receives a vision. And the vision, uh, the word says this, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. 
a man of Macedonia was standing there urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. Come over and help us. And he received that clearly from God, you know. And, and, and finally, after all the detours, finally after all the frustration, finally after all the closed doors, after all the setbacks, God speaks clearly to Paul and says, this is my call over you this coming season. Are you ready to go on this call? And the Macedonian call, this is what the passage is called, you know, is so powerful because it requires Paul and the team to open up a whole new chapter in their missionary work that was happening at that time. They had touched into Asia at that time, but they had never gone into Europe. And so Macedonia was the first country in Europe that they brought the good news and the gospel to. And if you study the scholars and historians, what they write about this Macedonian call, they credit Paul's decision to obey the Macedonian call for how the gospel managed to go into Europe and the Western world. That was the pivotal first step that the gospel reached Europe and the Western world. That was the impact of God's detour that Paul responded to. That was the impact of what, it, what happens when we say yes to God, even though it does, might not make sense at that time, even though we have to give up some of the good things that we thought we wanted to do, even though we need to shake up some of the well-laid plans that we have made in our life, in our journey. When you respond to God with your whole heart, He begins to do something with such impact and ripple. And he asks you to trust him to do so much with your step of faith. And so, they had so many good plans to, to spread the gospel in Asia. If they went west there, there were also areas that, that hadn't been reached before, you know. And so, what would have happened if Paul did not take up this call? I mean, Paul could have very easily said, hey, God, I know, I know the good way to go. I know the better way. I've already gone for my first missionary journey. You have anointed me so much, you know, and so much has happened in, in, in Galatia, in the whole region that we ministered to. And now, next door, let's bring it step by step. God, I think I know a bit better, yeah? You okay with trusting me on this, God? He could have gone a different route with God. But then, if he had gone that route, at least for that season, the gospel would have been restricted to the region of Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey, you know? And we were no, we were not, there were no guarantees on how open the hearts of the people were uh, in, in Asia at that time. You know, all we know is that Macedonia had hungry people, people hungry, ready for the move of God. The harvest was ready there. And so we had no guarantees that the same level of openness was in Asia because God will know where the harvest is ready. God will know where the best strategy should happen at the right time. It's not man that knows that. And so we need to learn to trust God, um, you know, when, when He calls us to do things that are outside of our plans. Amen? And so what is the one thing that God is calling you to do? You know, I even remember end of last month, Pastor Vincent was, was preaching and he shared that he had a vision, right, uh, early on in his ministry. And he said, okay, I, I saw the mother eagle bringing, you know, all the food and the worms to the, the baby eaglets, right, and feeding them. 
And then the Spirit of God spoke to him and said, do, go and do likewise. Go and feed the congregation with the Word of God, you know, with the preaching of the Word. Encourage them with the preaching of the Word. Feed them. Feed hungry hearts with the, God, the, the, the Word of God. And he, over the next few decades, that's what defined his ministry. And he didn't let anything get in the way of delivering that call upon his life. He didn't let any distractions come in to change his, his core focus and primary call to preach the Word to the congregation. And I'm reminded even of John, right? Inner circle of Jesus, one of the disciples uh, of, of, of Jesus. And he was doing amazing work as an apostle. He uh, was, you know, in, in Acts, you can read so many parts where he was stepping out and he was preaching the word. He was teaching the word every day. And in the word it says, you know, he was facing intense persecution. He was not asked not to share the, 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 the gospel, but every day he continued to preach and teach the Word of God. That's, that was his conviction. And he was having a powerful ministry, encouraging people, miracles, you know, speaking boldly, testifying boldly of Jesus. And then in the midst of this, God pulls him out of it and exile, allows him to be exiled and banished to the island of Patmos. Patmos was a barren rocky, terrible island that Ro Rome would put their prisoners in to, to live out the rest of their life in, in, in harsh conditions. And this John is doing amazing work. He's building the early church. He is, he is ministering so powerfully. He is ministering so anointedly. But God begins to bring that detour. How must John have felt? God, I can't even do ministry on this barren island. What am I doing here? Why have you allowed this to happen? Why have you brought this into being, God? Why have you allowed this? And then God begins to encounter him in such a powerful way. And then he begins to write down and pen down the book of Revelation, which is such an important part of our scripture for today. And I believe that if he kept running, 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 you know, uh, doing ministry, facing persecution, standing firm for God, preaching, teaching, ministering, praying for healing, he would not have been able to do the one thing that God was calling him to do at that season, which was to write the book of Revelation. He needed to quieten his heart to receive a revelation on a level that, that most of us will never experience, and then to write the divinely inspired Word of God into the book of Revelation. And even when I think about Jesus, for a lot of people, they would have thought that the cross was a major detour. How long did Jesus do his ministry? Have you ever wondered that? When you study the scholars, they say he approximately ministered for about three and a half years. Three and a half years. And he was doing amazing things when you read through the Gospels. Miracles followed him. Deliverance followed him. Resurrection followed him. Light followed him. Salvation followed him. Oh, miracle upon miracle, breakthrough upon breakthrough. Disciples were changed. People heard the word and began to catch a glimpse of the kingdom of God that was coming to earth. He was doing amazing ministry. But just three and a half years later, God allows him to be pulled aside, to be whipped in anguish, to carry the cross on his nail scar, I mean on his, his scar back, 
to walk all the way to Calvary in pain and suffering and never look back. The call that was upon Jesus' life was not to be a great teacher, was not just to teach life principles, was not just to bring about healings and miracles. The call that was upon Jesus' life was to save all mankind. Amen. Let's give Him a praise offering. And nothing would distract Him from hanging on that cross, from being whipped, from suffering, taking the sting away from death, taking away all sin, washing it away by His precious blood. Only three and a half years of ministry. In my thoughts and logic, I was like, why don't you stay a little bit longer, God? You left it in the hands, the early church building, in the hands of these flawed disciples that, you know, hadn't demonstrated a lot of stability. Even when, when the soldiers asked them, they said, no, 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 I don't know him. And these are the people that Jesus left the whole building of the early church to with the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that was sent and released. But in our logical minds, we would have thought that the cross would have been a detour as well. The cross is foolishness for those who don't know why Christ came. But when we know Jesus, we know that He fulfilled the one call that God had placed over His life. And so what is the one thing that God is calling you to? I'm going to go into my third question now. And it's about realigning, realigning. What agreement are you finding as you step out in faith? What alignment are you finding in those around you? This is a very important question. Because you read in verse 10, this is what happens. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. If you study the different versions of this verse and how it's written in the Greek, Paul is not putting his foot down and said, I've received this vision, we must go, everyone, let's go. There was this divine unity and agreement that came, you know, where they said, yes, let's go. Let's conclude together that we are meant to go. And immediately they set off without hesitation when there was that divine unity and agreement. Paul was not a one-man show. I mean, he's very prominent in the New Testament. He wrote so many epistles, you know. But you see, even in his first missionary journey, he was with Barnabas and for a time, John Mark as well. With the second missionary journey, he set out with only one person, which was Silas. But then as he goes through Derby and Lystra, in Lystra, someone joins him, a very special person called Timothy. And there begins that special mentorship that happened between Paul and Timothy, right? And so, Luke, uh, what, sorry, Timothy joins. And then we find out in Troas, one more person joined. And this is such a subtle shift in the language in the book of Acts, a very pivotal time, and most people don't catch it because what happens is if you read the verses 6 to 9, it you know, Luke is the author of the book, by the way. He's writing, they did this, they did that, they went here, they went there. And in Acts chapter 16, verse 10, it says, we. What does it say? 
It says, immediately we sought to go on, concluding that God had called us to preach. And this was the point when Luke joined up with Paul. And you read so, much, uh, so many instances later where Luke was such an integral component and person in Paul's ministry. And you begin to see God's divine hand in the background, bringing pieces together that no man could have planned. Timothy joins up, and that mentorship relationship starts. Luke joins up, the physician, and he begins to, to support Paul in his ministry and be such a, an armor bearer and, and, and a support to whatever he did in his missionary journey. It's so powerful how Luke would minister along with Paul. And not only that, Luke would, as he journeyed with Paul, begin to be able to get certain first-hand accounts of what happened in the past, what happened here, what happened there, and have access to certain resources that led him to, to write the books that he did, the book of Luke and the book of Acts. And if you count the words in the book of Luke and Acts, this is interesting, even though he, he wrote very few books, uh, it covers more than 27% of the whole New Testament. It's not that Luke was Chonghei. But he was a very detailed physician, and he liked to put in the details. And some of those details are so precious for us as believers when we read it because we don't hear those details in different places. We don't get that detail in historical uh, fact anywhere else but in the writings of Luke the physician. And so God begins to bring about this, His divine purpose with, with such godly alignment in the team. God will bring up about the, the right people the right time, divine appointment. And when Paul begins to step out in faith into that, the second missionary journey, he be, the right, the, the, God begins to then do bring this divine agreement and alignment. And that is how we need to also reflect. When we hear from God, we're not supposed to just be, you know, cowboy and go all the way without talking to godly counsel, without hearing from others around us that God will bring alongside. And you will know when God brings the right people along. God will make it known. We need to ask for that agreement. When I saw this vision, what do you think? What do you guys think? When you pray about it, do you think this is the way? All right, we have that. Let's go. Let's not delay. Let's go. And so the right people will come alongside when you step out into the God thing. There will be alignment and unity Agendas will be aligned supernaturally. The right hearts will be broken to carry the vision that God has placed in your hearts together, not as a solo person, not as a one-man show. And this doesn't mean that there's no opposition. We see that Paul encountered opposition and persecution after persecution, thrown in jail, you know, uh, beaten. In Lystra, he was stoned until they thought that he was dead. You know, but you see how, how important the mission was to him because after that, he visited back to Lystra so many times or so. This is the place where the people stoned him, dragged him out outside of the city and left him thinking he was dead. Then he, he I don't know, he came back up, walked straight back into the city. How committed is this Paul? But when he steps out in line with what God wants to do, God brings that alignment. I'm going to end with this story. And... Uh, just about three weeks ago, we had our young adults retreat. You know, it's the first Glad Tidings camp, you know, ever since the pandemic. Let's give God the praise offering. Woo! 
Oh, man. I was nervous. <laughs> I remember talking to so many people and they were like, Roger, are you sure? Isn't it still COVID season? Are other churches having their, their camps already? Are you sure you want to take this step? And each time I'll go back and I'll pray and I'll be like, God, God, is this what you have placed in my heart? And then God began to align and bring the right people. He began to drop names into my heart to approach for the committee. And let me tell you, that was a very scary time, uh, season, because I was so afraid they would say no. God would drop me these names and I'll be like, God, are you sure? And I'll go up to them and say, hey, I've been planning, I'm planning to have this retreat. Is this something that you are open to taking on? Would you pray about this and get back to me? And the scary thing is when you ask them to pray and get back to you, I don't know if you have experienced in the past, many times it will be no because they had time to think on. You must catch them at that time and then you, whoa, 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 it's going to be great. Yeah, yeah, you want to do it? Yeah, 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 let's do it. But for each, I said, how about this? You pray, let's talk again in a couple of days, in a week, and you let me know. And miraculously, one by one, they began to say yes. Oh, thank God. <laughs> and the right people began to come alongside. And as we carried out the retreat, they had the perfectly suited skill sets in order to deliver each part of the task that was assigned to them. And it's never been that uh, precise before in their skill sets. We, would we wouldn't even have to go back to the drawing board. We would just assign a task and they would be the right people to carry it out first time right every time. And there was just such, such a unity and camaraderie in this team that I hadn't experienced for a long time. It was a special camp. It's been a long time since the young people came together to encounter the Spirit of God this way. That's why the gathering, I'm so convinced, is so powerful. God loves and delights to work in, 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 in the, the gathering of His people, in the unity of His people. And then not only that, I started talking to Pastor Mayfong and Eluth, and then we threw out a crazy idea. I said, oh, why don't you campus join us as well? And they felt alignment in that, and they began to ask the campus students to join also. And then we worked together, prayed together, in order to have the most beautiful encounters with God at the retreat. It's a different camp. The two speakers that I approached said no. And then God said, why don't you spread it out? And so I asked Pastor Mayfong, why don't you take up a session and, and preach? And I had a name drop into my heart, Brother Donald Lim. I said, Brother Donald, would you like to take up one of the sessions as well? And he said, yes. I've been feeling such a burden for the young adults and I didn't know how to, to, to step in. And he cleared his whole schedule in order to, to make it up there, to minister to us. And, and wow, that's an emphasis. <laughs> Exclamation mark. <laughs> yeah. And then as each person just stepped up to preach and shared it out, the sermons aligned in such a powerful way as well. Whatever God wanted to share came together in the midst of different people. And you know, that's not easy because preachers will envision our sermons a certain way. We want our flow in a certain way. We want to achieve a certain outcome. But as all the different people aligned, God moved in that unity. And if you see the picture, you'll see like Caitlin there, you know, Renee somewhere else. 
You know, when Caitlin and Renee were born, I, had, I was already three years into young adults ministry. So I don't know if I'm too old for, for this ministry. But like, they're now in college. Oh my gosh. You know? And now we were wondering if the different generations come together, would they be able to still receive and, and bond and not be awkward? And somehow we were able to eat together, go out together, appreciate each other. We had games where the, the teams were like, oh, we need the young people because we're creating a TikTok video. Do you guys know what TikTok is? It's okay if you don't know. There was one team that didn't have any youth and they came up to me, Roger, you are very unfair. You didn't give us any campus. We don't know how to do TikTok. And so there was such an appreciation of the different generations. And Pastor Mei Fong, Donald, myself, in different layers, different generations, we ministered together as well. And God brought about breakthrough in that unity. Just a release of His presence. So powerful. I'm just going to wrap up now. These are the three questions that I hope that you go away with. Especially if you're in a season of detour, a season of transition, where you're not sure what's going on. Why are there so many closed doors? Why are there so many setbacks, God? God, what's happening? Would you speak to me? Would you tell me what's going on? Because I'm so confused. We ask ourselves, how open are we to God's leading? What plans are we willing to let God take over and take control? Secondly, what is the thing that God is calling you to this season that He wants you to step out in faith and conviction and courage to walk into? And then see what God is going to do through that step of faith. And the third thing, what is the alignment that you're finding? You don't step out as an individual. I believe strongly in this season, God is going to work through unity. God is going to work through the gathering of His people. And the right people are going to come alongside to carry that vision with you. Amen. I want to speak to two groups of people today. I'm not going to call you out, but I just want to, I just felt God saying that these are the two groups that I should speak to today. The first one I've mentioned just now, you are in a season of detour, a lot of closed doors. Plan A, plan B, plan C, plan D, plan E is not working out. And you're asking God, what is going on? Won't you take the lead? This is frustrating. This is difficult, God. This is disappointing. Everything I want to step out in that I thought was good, that I thought was right, why are those doors closed to me? I believe God wants to speak to you today and reassure you that if you step out and open your heart to God in faith, He will guide you. He will take you on His detour. Because man's detours might bring you to a destination, but God's detours will bring you to your destiny. And it's never easy to walk the path of destiny. You see it over and over in the Bible. Look at Joseph, look at Jacob, look at all these Bible characters. The road to destiny is difficult, but worthy, worthwhile. Amen. And the second group of people I want to talk to, you're in a good place but you feel God nudging you. Just now when I shared a 
about giving up the good thing for the God thing. Now, this doesn't apply for everyone. So if you're going through a good thing, don't just say, okay, it's not, it's not of God. All right? But those of you who know that it's for you, you know that this word was for you. There are some good things that have distracted you from the call of God. There are some good things that have distracted you from the journey that God wants you to be on in this season. And God is asking you to trust Him. Would you trust Him and say, I'm going to grab hold of the God thing. I'm going to grab hold to God and say, I want more of God no matter what it takes, no matter what it costs. It is costly to be a disciple, church. I'm going to grab hold to the things of God, to the direction that God has for me, no matter what I have to let go of, no matter even if I have to let go of well-laid plans, plans that look good. This is the second group of people I want to talk to.